everyone. My name is Michelle, and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my friend Justin is back on the podcast, and we're talking about the movie Amelie. Hey, Justin. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me again. Of course, I'm super stoked to talk to you about this movie. That's 20 years old, which is wild. Yeah. So I do have a disclaimer. This movie is a French film with English subs, so apologies in advance to my listeners. Uh, please don't judge me for my terrible French pronunciations of anyone's names and places and things. Um, so with that, this movie was released in 2001. It's directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. It's written by Jean-Pierre Jeunet and Guillaume Laurent. It stars Audrey Tateau and Mathieu Kassovitz. The IMDb.com summary is, Amelie is an innocent and naive girl in Paris with her own sense of justice. She decides to help those around her, and along the way, discovers love. It has an 8.3 on IMDb, and it made more than $172 million worldwide. And then this movie was actually nominated for five Academy Awards in 2002 for Best Original Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Sound, and Best Foreign Film. All right, Justin, what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? Um, that's a good question. So I actually forgot to think about this. Um, <laughs> I, off the top of my head, I would say the mid to high 8s. Okay. Yeah, maybe even a 9. Wow. I yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. And this is the first time I've seen it since it came out, essentially. So I, have, I saw it once in 2002-ish, and then... The second time was right before this podcast. So it's been 20 years since I've seen this. Oh my gosh. So if this movie isn't like a rewatchable for you, how did you come to choose this movie to talk about? Uh, I have a very vivid memory of it and remember enjoying it. I remember it was very charming. It was very different. I remember the cinematography and just the dreamlike kind of quality of the visual storytelling of it. And um, I definitely had a little obsession with Jan Tiersen for a little while after this movie who's the composer of the music. Mm. I don't know. I have very fond memories of it. So when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I want to talk about that movie. <laughs> I just don't feel like it's a constant rewatching kind of movie. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so you're giving this movie a mid to high eight, maybe a nine. I'm landing at a 7.8 for this movie, mm. which I think I'm a little bit surprised by for myself. So Unlike you, this movie was really rewatched for me at a certain time in my life. I think it was maybe after college, you know, when we were going back and forth about what movie we were going to do next and you decided on Amelie, I was like, ooh, I think I have the DVD. I clearly, if I have a DVD, it's usually like a highly rewatched film in my like arsenal of movies. So it's just been, I want to say at least like eight years since I've revisited this movie. So it's been a while and I think this movie is a little bit different in terms of just a conversation on the podcast, because this is the first foreign film that we're talking about. And you mentioned like rewatchability. And I confess that this was rewatchable for me at a certain point in my life. But I think just by the inherent nature of being a foreign film, and you need to sit down to read the English subtitles, it's a very intentional watch. And that's maybe why I haven't revisited this recently. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I think that's probably why I haven't rewatched it a lot. Like I know it's very visually engrossing. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually not very much dialogue, but it's mostly like you got to be watching all the time. And the fact that I don't speak French, I have to yep. watch the subtitles too. So it's not an easy movie to like have on in the background, which is what I think of when I think of like rewatchable movies where you can jump in and out very easily and 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, you, there's no way to do that since we're not native French speakers. <laughs> so let's, I guess, talk more specifically. This film is a delight. Like, obviously, it's so heartwarming. It's so feel good. I kind of forgot how heartwarming this movie is. What was your takeaway when you finished watching this movie? Yeah, I kind of forgot. I knew the general plot and I kind of forgot a lot of the nuances of it. I remember a general idea of it being very vivid and I would describe like dreamlike. Yeah, I like that description. That's pretty perfect, I feel. Dreamlike, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I took away, it was, yeah, I, I agree. I kind of forgot how heartwarming and like, I guess, uplifting and like, almost overly happy the movie ends up being <laughs> like everything kind of ties in a nice bow which I didn't really remember about the movie mm -hmm. this movie kind of made me miss like being around people like we're still <laughs> in COVID times we're still indoors but like for some reason when I was watching this movie I think I had like pangs of missing going to a cafe and just like seeing people because there a lot of the regulars at the cafe are just like sitting there they're just hanging out. And I was like, oh, I forget what it's like to just hang out at a place that isn't my own home. So that kind of brought me back to like how fun it is to hang out with people yeah. in a weird way. Yeah. I think a lot of the movie focuses on like the quirk and nuance in like everyday kind of mundane life. Mm -hmm. And being stuck at home all the time, you miss a lot of the simple things that are outside of your home, I guess. Absolutely. It's all about like living life and just like getting to walk on the street, which, you know, obviously we can do, but it's less exciting to do that when we know that we're supposed to be staying at home. But similar to you, I think this movie is so special just because the visual style of it is so unique. It's unlike anything I think I had ever seen before. So colorful. Um, in my trivia, I note that uh, there's a lot of intentional use of reds, greens, and yellows in this movie. I don't know if I picked up on that 20 years ago, but when you sit down and watch this now, it's a very specific look and feel of this movie. And I loved it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I think like, I, I'm putting this under the category of things I like, which I feel like this could also go under what I don't like about this movie is that because it's so different, it's definitely also a different way of telling the story of the rom-com than what I'm traditionally used to. So this movie, right, it's very much focused on Amelie and like her relationship with the people in her life, but also finding Nino, who is the guy at the end. But we don't see them interact really throughout the length of the movie until the end. And I have found a pattern in myself in the stories of rom-coms that I tend to gravitate towards are when we can actually see chemistry unfold on screen. But for this movie, obviously, that doesn't really happen. So I struggle with if this is something I like or don't like, but I think I'm ultimately filing this under what I like about it just because the way they tell the story is so different and fun. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I didn't even really think of this as a rom-com. So when it was on the right. list, I was like, oh, I guess it's qualifies but it's a very non-traditional um yeah i don't even think the main characters actually have any dialogue together or not the main characters but the amelie and nino i think the only time they talk actually is when she's like leading him on that like cat and mouse game where she's just talking on the phone she calls him on the payphone and they talk through the payphone and that's pretty much yeah. the only time they actually have dialogue back and forth right so in that sense yeah, you don't really see them develop. You don't see the chemistry between them necessarily develop. It's just they exist independently from each other. 
Yeah, that's a good point. In my head, I, I was like, yeah, this isn't really a rom-com, but I think it's more like um, a romantic fantasy because there's so many fantastical elements in this movie, which make it so fun and different. But what are some other things you liked about the movie? Um, I think I mentioned a little bit already um, the soundtrack with Jan Tiersen. I kind of had like mm-hmm. a, a little bit of an obsession for a couple years with his music. I think I even learned some of the songs. I think the um, literally oh. the Amelie song. Is this the movie that he is that you know him from, or are there other um, projects that I know him mainly from this? And I've heard, listened to some of his albums after it. So I guess knowing about this movie is his actually most of the music wasn't written directly for the movie. Mm. The director just happened to hear his albums and pulled lots of the music from his actual existing albums, and then had him compose a couple songs on top of that, or maybe more than a couple, but the the main theme and I think a few others but um yeah I mainly just know him from this movie but I've listened to some of his other works since then got it yeah the music which is its own separate category but we can talk about it now a little bit more is because initially I was like oh this movie or this the music didn't really mean anything to me and then when I went back to listen to just the soundtrack after watching the movie I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This music is very unique. And I think I get lost in watching the movie. But I guess I'm contradicting myself. But so much of the music makes this movie so good. It makes it so much more whimsical, which is probably the word I'm going to be using the most throughout this conversation. Just listening to the music on its own, it immerses you into this world of fantasy and this lightheartedness. There's so much use of the accordion and the piano. And I was just listening to it and just feeling uplifted. Yeah. I was actually surprised to learn like a lot of the pieces just happened to be pieces he already had that fit the movie because I I actually Mm -hmm. think they fit the movie quite well and add to the fantastical like the visual storytelling of the movie and you know there's they they incorporate like actual sounds from the streets like a bike ringing and something at right Mm -hmm. the moment to go along with the music and I think it kind of like you just mentioned if you just listen to it it kind of does have a fantastical element to it which is very much the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the main takeaways from loving it. Um, Another thing is just like, yeah, we've mentioned already, but just the way they tell the story. It's not not a very lot of dialogue. A lot of it, the information you learn is from the narrator even. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is just quick clips of things happening. And they're able to give a lot of just like very specific, interesting facts about people or occurrences and to create this personality. And even though they're these small tidbits of information, I feel like you learn a lot about their um, the shape of their character in a lot of ways. And I thought it was really uh, unique in the way they were able to do that. A hundred percent. I think that this movie is... (sighs) Interesting in many ways, but as I was like sat down to rewatch it yesterday in preparation for a conversation, I actually had to pause the movie multiple times just because I feel like I couldn't keep up with my notes. You mentioned that there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie and you're right, but I don't think I'm realizing that until just right this moment because a lot of it is the narrator just providing background and helping us not visualize, but help us understand these characters and also the fact that it's in French and I had to watch the screen and also at the same time type up my notes was kind of hard for me to do. So I feel like it was um, a very tactile experience, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of color, a lot of sound, a lot of unfamiliar language, literally. And just, it, it, yeah, it, you just feel immersed in this fantasy world. 
Yeah, I totally agree. So what are some things you don't like about this movie? Um, part of the charm of the movie is that everything kind of ties up nicely. Everything's very cute and charming. But at the same time, that's kind of what I don't like. Everything's like very perfect. There's a very like neat bow, like everything occurs mm -hmm. and works out for her. She doesn't really necessarily have to develop the relationship with Nino, even though they allude to they have a lot of similarities and they have a lot of the same quirks and they're both introverted and whatnot. But it kind of ends on this fairy tale ending, um, so to speak, without really fully developing it. And this is me nitpicking. Mm -hmm. I didn't really take notes a lot about the things I didn't like. There's probably some element of you know, because it's such a dreamlike, nostalgic version of like Paris or France and the fantasy element, it doesn't feel real in that sense, which I like, but also everyone's kind of a caricature, which also is interesting the way they were go went about that. And also either as a result of that or just coincidentally, I know at least Paris, visiting Paris is like pretty diverse place and it wasn't very diverse, at least in the world of Amelie. Yeah, the critics were saying how there's no homelessness, there's no diversity, everything is very perfect. But I guess the director has defended his his take on this movie is that of course it's quote unquote perfect is because this is a fantasy. Mm -hmm. And then also at another point of my trivia is that this director, I, I attempted to watch some of the commentary on the DVD that I have. And he says something like, you know, he purposefully wrote this movie to be a fantasy because he actually finds reality and realism to be somewhat boring. So I guess to capture the audiences and the world of movie making, this kind of fantasy world made more sense for him, which I get. But also one of the reasons why I think I reach for rom-coms is because it feels human. Like there's a lot of human feelings that I can relate to and situations that I can relate to. But in this movie... And it's not necessarily something I don't like about it because it's such it's set in such a fantasy world is that I didn't really relate to a lot of these characters or even this story, to your point. It doesn't feel real. Yeah. Is everybody's a caricature. Yeah. I I guess contradicting myself a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, I love it. I, I totally get why it has like I think it wouldn't work as well if he rooted it in realism, that fantastical element and that kind of like, you know, making everything so perfect adds to the the visuals and the way it works. I think it wouldn't work as well if he didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I noticed about myself and my reactions after watching this movie is that I don't think I laughed a whole lot in this movie. And, you know, as we're on the topic of rom-com and maybe what defines a rom-com, I think I just found myself smiling like, oh, that was really sweet or, oh, that's kind of funny or, you know, that's quirky. But I don't know if I really lol'd during this movie did you um there's definitely moments and scenes where i i laughed out loud it's not like i'm rolling on the floor it's not because the way the scenes are set up it's not going to be like a huge payoff but there's scenes i enjoyed because <laughs> they're just like over the top or they take a turn where you don't expect them the way the director kind of allows them to happen mm-hmm they're just kind of moments rather than full scenes. It's just like this thing happened right. and the way they describe, but that's kind of how the movie goes in general. So um, I can understand what you're saying, where you're coming from, but still, yeah, it still made me smile. And, and I did laugh a few times as well. Yeah. One of the things that I don't like about this movie is that 
I think the rewatchability factor has gone down for me. And I'm not entirely sure if it's just because it's not in our native language, as we've mentioned, like it's not a quote unquote easy watch. But I also just found it like, oh man, I don't know, maybe I'm just really cynical now. Maybe like this is too heartfelt. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe this is too whimsical for me. Mm. And maybe that's dropped the rewatchability factor for me. Man, I sound really <laughs> jaded. <laughs> really jaded. <laughs> and I don't know if that's entirely true about me because I, I tend to like uplifting things, but I don't know. I, I guess it's this didn't hold as much emotional weight as I remember it holding. Hmm. This kind of goes along what I was going to get at earlier and what you mentioned, but I actually think even though the characters aren't necessarily we're saying how they're caricatures, the nuance and the quirk they give them with just these small details about them, you can kind of form this larger character from these small facts they give about these people. And I thought mm -hmm. that actually upon this watch made me kind of understand each character a little better. So that although they are still a caricature, they still are a person on top of that, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. No, that, that does make sense. And I think that that's actually one of my favorite things about this movie is that they do that for these characters. And I really found that to be one of the most enjoyable parts is that they paint these these caricatures to have like really grounded uh, likes and dislikes in their everyday life. So actually, one of my questions for you, and I'm totally putting you on the spot right now, if someone were to describe you, what are some of the simple things and like small pleasures that you find in your daily life? That's a good question. There's probably should be more off the top of my head, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing that I really enjoy is, uh, so I live right next to a park where there's a plot of land and there's a lot of dogs, um, dog owners in this area. So pretty much when I'm working during the day, if I look out my window at any given time, there's like five to 15 or 20 dogs outside playing around Whoa. together. So I don't know if that's really solely me. I'm pretty sure anyone seeing that would probably <laughs> smile. But um, it's literally right outside my place. So it's, it's pretty yeah. amazing to see. That's cute. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now I just looked out my window and just seeing the snowfall and a little bit of rain maybe even with that. Yeah. It's, it's really like peaceful for me. And that's like a simple, I guess a simple, like I definitely like the sound of thunderstorms and like raindrops hitting like glass. Um, that's oh, something that I notice and I always notice that it's like very soothing for me. I'm learning so much about you. Those are, those are things off the top of my head. Um, I'm sure there's many others, but you put me on the spot. <laughs> I totally um, did. What about yourself? I have a few. And I'm realizing that I think I find a lot of pleasure in sounds. I love the sound of opening a can of soda, like mm. the pop and the fizz. That's a good one. It calms me in a weird way. Yeah, because you love Coke. I do love Coke. Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes, Coca-Cola. <laughs> I love the sound of an orchestra tuning itself, like before a concert, mm. playing the A string or the A note. Um, also, I think maybe that's just a memory of my childhood because I played a lot in an orchestra, even though I didn't love it at the time. So I don't know why that sound is very comforting to me now. I like the smell of coffee brewing, mm. which is not unique, I don't think. And I like the... Um, I don't know. I And I think this is why I wrote this down is because I miss it so much is I love movie theater popcorn, buttered mm. popcorn. I feel like I've heard this from you. 
maybe even the last time. Oh, yes. I don't know why I know that. <laughs> I just love popcorn. It's one of the reasons why I love going to the movies. So yeah, it's a simple pleasures that I didn't realize I had until it's taken away. Yeah. I just thought of one while you're saying it's actually is one that Amelie states that she likes when they're introducing her. Mm-hmm. She likes dipping her hand into a sack of grain mm. and that feeling that you get. It's like a little bit soothing massage. I actually, so I don't know why I didn't think of this, but I actually have a flower <laughs> pot of rice that I put. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, it was originally for this uh, exercise routine for like grip strength and stuff. Anyway, that's unrelated for climbing, but I actually just kept it because I liked how soothing it felt to stick your hand in like a sack of grain. And so I related, I totally was like, yes, when when I rewatched this time. Yeah, that's really funny. I actually have a a weird, not similarity, but I remember like growing up, my grandmother would wash rice to put in the rice cooker. And that was like one thing I used to do with her. And I loved being able to touch the rice in the water as you're mm. rinsing it out. Yeah. And that was something that I really, really enjoyed doing. And now, you know, I do it quite regularly because I eat rice a lot. But uh, yeah, that was a joy that I had. But now that I do it quite so often, it's less of a joy than just necessity. Yeah. Uh, on that same note, do you have things that like, I guess, pet peeves or like things that you don't like? Because I have a lot, but we'll just, <laughs> we'll just narrow it down right now to like, like simple pleasures. Um, so I'm trying to think of the movie, what she says. She she definitely mentions things she doesn't like as well, which I can't think of off the top of my head. Right. I don't know why I don't have that. So similar to sound, I guess, is that I don't like it when an alarm or like a timer goes off for more than like three seconds. It just becomes grating on my ears and it gives me anxiety. Even like when Alexa is like beeping, Mm -hmm. if I don't tell her to stop after like three seconds, it's so annoying. And my husband and Frank just like will let things beep and go. I'm like, can you handle this? (laughs) Like I get really anxious. Do you not hear that? Uh. Yeah, he like doesn't hear it sometimes. And then one other specific, weirdly specific thing is that I hate it when my feet are wet, Mm. like in the rain. I don't understand why people don't wear waterproof footwear when there's precipitation (laughs) outdoors. I don't get it. So do you not like it being in a pool? I don't mind if it's in a pool. Or a shower? That that stuff is fine. I think maybe it's just wet socks. I think that's what I... Who likes wet socks? But it's like I will go to great lengths to avoid wet socks. Mm. Yeah. Like the weather channel says is going to be like 20% chance of rain. I will likely wear my rain boots outside because I just can't stand wet mm, socks. That's fair. Wet socks are, are pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst. They just like ruin my day. How about you? What are some dislikes that you have? Um, I thought of two just now that are still occurring okay. to this day. But um, <laughs> when people don't turn off the sound on their phones, you know, like every button key press, it's like beep, 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 beep. And oh, that's yes. default on. And that like, it's like claws on the chalkboard, which I guess is another one. But yeah. it's like that for me. It like, I feel anxious. I feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, can you? So uh, like my mom mm-hmm. just got a new phone. We bought her a new phone for her birthday. And the first thing was like, I was like, do you care if the sound is on like for tactile? I'm not around her very often. I don't see her that often anymore, especially during COVID. But uh, that was the first thing I turned off on her phone. When I hear other people, it it bothers me. <laughs> so if you want to... Yeah. Next time I see you, I'm going to turn yeah. on the if sound on torture, my phone. If you want to torture me, <laughs> type a lot and do that regularly. 
No, I agree with you on that one. That's that's a big no-no for me Yeah, as well. that's the first thing I do on my phones. I turn it to silent or for tactile mm-hmm. stuff. And then the second one is people that are playing with their nails or picking at their nails. It makes like a small kind of sound. Hmm. I don't know how to describe it. I, I, maybe you understand. Maybe it's clear what I'm saying. But <laughs> I can feel... Like, I know when someone's doing that. I can feel it through my body, and it bothers me. Oh, wow. So I'll be like, someone will be doing that, and I'll be like, stop that. <laughs> picking at their nails? Just yeah, like... it's not even, like, picking dirt out of the nails. It's like, people sometimes just, like, click their nails together or just, like, kind of touching the sides of their fingers, like, on their nails. I don't know how to oh describe gosh. it. I can point <laughs> it out if it was happening. But it's very specific where it's like the nail on nail and it creates this like kind of constant scraping kind of I don't I don't really know scraping is huh. not the right adjective to use my vocabulary isn't good enough but <laughs> yeah that's a very specific one but I really appreciate that because I think in like in terms of this movie I think that really adds to the character of who you are Justin <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I I could probably go on and on about my pet peeves or like my dislikes in life, but this is not the time or place for that. But I appreciate you sharing. That was really that was really fun for me to hear yeah. that. I actually just came up with one in my in my mind is that I really don't like it when people um if I'm sitting close proximity and I can feel it, I don't like it when people when they um shake their legs. Oh, yeah, that's so that bothers me too actually, but it's a similar feeling that I get when someone's doing that. It's like a weird anxious feeling I get. Yeah, it's the same. That's exactly like what I feel. When people shake their legs, I also get it a little bit less so, but it's the same thing. So maybe you do kind of understand. (laughs) Yeah, I understand totally. Are there any other things that you don't like about this movie? Have you covered them all? Yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't have a, a lot. I didn't focus on that. Okay, cool. Let's move on to general themes this movie covers. What are your thoughts? I'm never really good with nailing down the different themes but um <laughs> they had these like trope like we kind of allude we kind of already talked about this where they had these kind of trope characters uh-huh like each person like the store owner the cafe owner the grocer that's mean the good-natured protagonist and then like the old guy that can't go out there's like scenes at the grocer where it's like twins that appear and there's all these like themes that you see in movies all the time and they purposely put them there it feels like and then it Mm. even though it's very like standard it adds a lot of character and creates this world for me interesting i i hear what you're saying yeah and yeah i think this question in general is very broad and i think i like it when people kind of take different things or themes away from this movie uh, or movies i'm trying to digest what you just said because i think rom-coms are so riddled with tropes we make fun of it all the time but I think if we're honest with ourselves, we really, really like these tropes because they're comforting. We know what to look out for. It's predictable. Also, like when you watch a rom-com or not you, like people sit down and watch a rom-com, it's probably for something mindless, something uplifting. Mm-hmm. So predictability is part of the game when you watch a rom-com, I think mm-hmm. at least. So I always appreciate these like tropey kind of characters. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of like... Like, obviously, the whole movie is quirk, but, like, quirk to the the tropes for all those people. Yeah. I guess I just thought about the question more. And (laughs) Mm. a theme just in general, I guess a message of the movie is just, like, kind of noticing 
we just talked about this, but noticing the little things in life and enjoying them and taking, getting more out of life than just like your every day and noticing the details and kind of enjoying the details. Right. Another thing is just kind of following your dreams or trying to realize your dreams instead of, or rather than just dreaming about reality, actually living it, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So Amelie is constantly lives in this fantastical world. And because of circumstances, you know, she doesn't have a lot of interaction with people, which is she's very introverted. And she does all these things for people throughout the movie without ever actually coming into contact with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, even towards the end, when she's dreaming about Nino, she's literally dreaming about him. And she watches the TV and kind of it mirrors her life. And she dreams about these scenarios and uh, her neighbor leaves her that video that's like, hey, you're not like me. You don't have like brittle bones. You can actually go out and live the life that I can't live. So go do it. So that kind of theme coming of age kind of idea. Yeah, those are actually the last two things you said are literally the same things I wrote down as well in terms of like messages. I think this movie is trying to say is that. We should take chances and not live in fear, which is always easier said than done. But the neighbor, the glass man, love him for being this kind of pusher for Amelie. And then also, yeah, the simple joys of life, like how Amelie takes the blind man and helps him walk across the street and down the street. And she just is like pointing out these very mundane details, but she paints it and she communicates it with such vibrant joy. She makes it exciting. And sometimes I think we forget the simple joys in life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's move on to our favorite scenes. Do you want to start? Sure. Um, One of my favorite scenes is literally the scene you just mentioned earlier with the blind man. Mm. She describes, you know, like, like you're saying more eloquently than I said, the simple pleasures of life. And she's just describing sounds that she's hearing that he hears and maybe can't see and just painting this picture for him. And you can tell he's like taking it all in and he's super happy without him saying one word the entire time. Mm. And um, it's just a really endearing scene. Yeah, I agree. Um, So for me, one of the funnier moments was when Lucien, the the assistant grocer and the glass man are making fun of the actual grocer, whose name is Colignon, I think is how you pronounce it. Glass man is like trying to urge Lucien to say bad things or like make fun of Polignon. And then Lucien just kind of gets lost in these rhymes. I actually don't even remember what he says. He's like, it doesn't rhyme. It doesn't work in English, but in French, all the words rhyme with Mm -hmm. each other. And Lucien just kind of loses himself in this moment of excitement. And he just needs to be told to stop. But I just thought it was really funny to get to see him let loose. For sure. And so not necessarily a scene, but actually one of the stories or the people that Amelie tries to make their lives better. I loved the thing that she does with her dad or for her dad by taking the garden gnome and asking her flight attendant friend to take pictures Mm -hmm. around the world while she travels. I just thought that was really sweet. And I I think like people do that now, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Is that, did it start from this movie though? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, 20 years ago, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, you know, no one was on social media. I feel like it, it's like a thing that I, exists like a gnome or an object being in different places and i feel like amelie might have popularized it yeah maybe but i just yeah i really liked the gesture that she does for her dad and that it ultimately urges him to go out and travel the world in the end yeah i mean a lot of the things she does is 
you know, everything works out really nicely for all the people she tries mm -hmm. to help. And yeah, even from the first person she helps, like you can feel the emotion of seeing his, you know, childhood toys and such. And I thought that was really well done. Oh, yeah. I loved one of the likes of that character of the first guy that she helps is that he likes to roast chicken. And the first thing he eats is the oyster of the mm. chicken. I just, I loved the specificity of yeah. that. I know. I think that gets at kind of what I was trying to say earlier, where it's like so specific of these nuances. And you would think that being so specific about someone and their preference wouldn't paint a good picture of this character, but it does. It somehow adds a lot of life to the person, right? That's mm -hmm. really all you know about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, that's really true. Okay, so let's pivot to WTF moments. So these are the plot holes and the most unrealistic moments, but obviously this movie is quite fantastical, so there's going to be some elements. But of course, I was able to pick up on a few. My big one is, how does everyone have so much free time? I was watching Amelie just like follow random people. Like, did she not have plans for any specific day? She just walks around and like, if she happened upon something, she would just abort her day plans and just move on with that. I don't, I just was like, wow, she has so much free time. And does she really have to have that much time to be able to do some of the things we saw her do? It could just be on the way. Although she just works in the cafe and that's all we know, right? Mm -hmm. That's really all her free time. Otherwise she kind of either visits her father or is at home. Yeah. But like the whole, like following Nino and trying to uncover the, the mystery of the photo album, which was a very specific point for Nino, mm -hmm. I guess, is that, yeah, she's literally going from photo booth to photo booth. I was just like, no one would have, yeah. no one would take the time well, today to do any I of this. I think both of those characters, they're shown to be like, okay, they just work in the shop. They're both from a young age. They really mm. have friends or they were like, you know, was bullied as a kid, right? And then mm -hmm. didn't really have a lot of friends. So I don't know, somehow that translates to they have a lot of free time. Yeah, I guess so. Free time on their hands. Um, I mean, like, like you said, they're, the regulars are just hanging out in the cafe. Maybe it's a little bit of like, <laughs> you know, the Paris kind of fantasy where a lot of people, are, there's always someone just like hanging out at a cafe. So maybe it's both unrealistic and super <laughs> realistic. <laughs> um, do you have any? Um, not really. There's kind of just like, you know, everything comes out so perfectly. Everything comes full circle. Yeah. Um, it's not really a WTF. It's just like, oh, it's it's so perfect. But it kind of lends to the whole dreamlike nature of the movie, like we said. Yeah. I guess there is a little bit of like cruelty, more WTF, not really a wise a scene there, but the, all the pranks she plays on the grocer, they're like yes. very innocent, but also like super evil. <laughs> <laughs> they all work in succession, like perfectly. So it was like, oh, that, that worked out so perfectly for you that he just happened to do this exact thing that you needed him to do to suffer. Yeah. Similar to that, or on that note, I should say, one of the specific pranks that Amelie plays on the grocer is um, she changes the clock or the oh, alarm on, her, on his clock. And I was just like, that wouldn't happen today because everyone, you know, there's just multiple ways to see what the time mm. is. I don't know, maybe this guy is just a little bit more traditional. He also just only has like one clock and doesn't realize it's like maybe 4 a.m., yeah, it could just be like muscle memory, like that's the clock he uses to wake up. So when that goes off, you start to go in action. I could see that still happening even today. Like, it's not really? like I specifically, if I started to realize something was wrong, I might be like, wait, what time is it really? And maybe if my phone's mm -hmm. wrong, but let's say, I don't know if you were in a hotel or using a 
I just thought of a movie, <laughs> Oceans 12 or one of those Oceans movies. Yes, Someone, right. They, he does this prank on them and, and that's like pretty modern day. So it could, it could totally happen. It just like your routine is this is my alarm clock. It goes off. Okay, I got to go. <laughs> yeah, I guess that might be true for some people. But I guess for me, like the first thing I look at is my phone. Well, in this case, your phone when I wake is, up. would be wrong somehow. <laughs> I right. So it's just like our, our technology isn't that wrong. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, very innocent pranks, but. But tied together. So, so good. Each one was, was yeah. very clever, even like cutting his shoelace. <laughs> It'd just be like, that would be so, these minor inconveniences that would suck in succession. Exactly. Like, they're so small, but also just like, we all brush our teeth when we wake up. So imagine just like brushing your teeth with foot cream. That like would, yeah, mess up yeah. my day for she, what else for does she do? She like changes his slippers for a slightly smaller size. Uh, yeah, I would go crazy. Yeah. That would, I think, put me on edge. Just like, yeah, and then when you would try to speed dial, and if it went to the psychiatric <laughs> line, you'd be like, what? <laughs> And I think doesn't she put salt in his whiskey yeah. or cognac yeah, yeah, or something? Yeah. That was that was fun. Oh, Amelie. Yeah, she thought it all out. Very calculated. Um, okay, so I have like two more. When Amelie's visiting Brodoto, the first guy, uh, when she uncovers the treasure box, she just randomly goes to these people's homes. Like that just seems so dangerous and so unsafe. And I think she realize after visiting the first place like she needed to have a backup story but i was just like oh no 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 you can't just be a young woman and walk up to these strangers homes it just feels terrible of an idea you think that's also a more modern day fear in some ways i guess so yeah i think like they live in a very specific part of paris so it, yeah i don't know i was gonna make the case maybe it makes sense for her to do that but no I wouldn't do that in New York City, even in my own neighborhood. I, I don't know. That's weird. It definitely is weird now. Yeah. But I was thinking like as a younger kid, like going door to door and try to like sell candy bars or whatever for some like Boy Scouts yeah. or whatever, Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. And then not necessarily a WTF, but it was just very dated was you mentioned earlier, like the pay phones, right? Mm. So there are a few times in this movie where a pay phone rings oh, right. and then someone picks it up. Is that a thing that people used to do? <laughs> like, if you were walking by a payphone, I mean, payphones are pretty much defunct today, but like, I don't know, can we picture ourselves 20 years ago walking by a payphone, and if it rang, would you pick up? Yeah, I guess probably not, but I feel like it's a thing I've seen in other movies. Yeah, it definitely, I think it was Isn't a thing. is there a whole movie, like a Colin Farrell movie, where he's in a phone booth? <laughs> Isn't it called Phone Booth? <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that have one, not. so I can't I speak either, to it. But, <laughs> but um, I guess this was a thing in the late 90s, yeah. and we were just too young to know that this was a thing, but I don't know. I was just like, in New York City, kind of forget it. Yeah. Like, payphones are dirty and gross, and... Yeah, it kind of just is the whole everything works out perfectly how she planned. Mm -hmm. So speaking about how things work out super well, do you have any thoughts of the ending? Yeah, it seemed a little like sudden in some ways, but in a way, we kind of started talking about this. It's not even fully about the romance in this movie between the two characters that end up together, but it's more that she is like tried to pursue him and is trying to live life and is willing to fall in love and such and yeah, she's getting out of her own world and expanding to include someone else. 
How would you have preferred the movie to end? I don't know if there's a preference for it to end differently. It's kind of like, oh, it's kind of cute mm. that it ties up nicely in a bow and everything just works out. Yeah. It, it is kind of random. It's like they've literally never spoken to each other and then they're just start kissing. I guess her waitress coworker had gone mm-hmm. and talked to him to see like what kind of guy he was because she's like, oh, <laughs> Amelie obviously likes you, so I want to know. <laughs> and her test was just for him to know different sayings, essentially. Yeah, what a weird yeah. test. She did say, this is how we ironically uh, determine the character of a person in my hometown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in the world of this movie, this ending makes mm-hmm. sense and it's very cute. I do agree with you that I think it's quite sudden and... I don't know. They don't even say hi or my name is, but they just start kissing each other on the face. And like, I guess, you know, obviously they end up sleeping together. So uh, it's quite a leap for me, but yeah, it's cute. And I, I, I mentioned this earlier, like, I think I just really respond more favorably to endings when we see chemistry unfold throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Did you, so you didn't feel like it was earned in some way? It's expected, but yeah, maybe not totally earned. Yeah, I guess it's less about, like we were saying, like it's less about that. Yeah. Because she plays this whole game and builds up this whole thing with the pursuit of him, which is like, should be actually like where in the movie they'd be developing chemistry. And that's, I guess, a form of chemistry that she's developed this idea of him. Mm-hmm. I did uh, did see something where it's interesting earlier in the cafe one of the regulars is an elderly man and he's he's talking to the owner i think of the cafe and she's like and talking to the waitress that and saying you'll find you're like mr right like all women want to sleep on a man's shoulder Mm -hmm. that general romantic very traditional kind of notion but in the end um nino is actually sleeping on amelie's shoulder oh a little bit of a flip yeah seems very intentional that they said that earlier and that's the end interesting Hmm. i didn't put the two and two together but yeah I actually really liked that exchange between the waitress and the elderly man. So I'm looking ahead at my next two questions, but I didn't answer them myself. So I'm not sure if how this will go, but do you have a favorite character? Um, I like Amelie, even though she's a, I guess this is, could be relate to your WTF moment is she's a little bit of a creeper. She's a little bit stalkerish. So that's, you could, if you <laughs> yes. thought about it from a different manner, or if like the main character was somehow a man, that'd be a totally different movie. Mm-hmm. Agree with you. I think the fact that Amelie is like this very cute, very like pretty, unassuming in a way, quiet girl, this works. But if not Amelie, yeah, this doesn't really work. Um, Yeah, I like I like Amelie. I like Lucien. Yes. Lucien. There's a scene I just thought of that I really uh, it's towards the end when Amelie and Nino finally meet and the the, oh, the yes. man is looking through his binoculars <laughs> and turns around and sees it on the TV screen. And it's because he's recording on the camcorder and he's yeah. like, Hey, what are you doing? And then he just pretends like <laughs> he was trying to film the bottles on the table, but his facial yeah, like, expressions no are like perfect. The way that the actor encompassed that emotion. It was so perfect. Right. I love that as well. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. I feel like it's cheating for me to say Amelie is my favorite character. But, you know, obviously this is her movie, so I can understand the case for her being the favorite character. But I think Lucien is mine as well. Mm. Like, he had one of my favorite moments of the movie and the scene you just mentioned. Yeah, like, he's probably on screen for, like, seven minutes, if that. And he's the one who kind of stayed with me the most. Yeah. 
I just thought of so many other moments that I like now. <laughs> oh, really? Do you want to share? Sure. There's just certain scenes that I like. The When she visits the husband at the beginning, the grocer's mom to find out the first oh, guy. Yes. And the husband's like, I got to relieve stress somehow. And he his way of relieving stress <laughs> is he hole punches the, her plan. <laughs> so there's just these perfect hole punches. <laughs> when um, she leaves all the clues for Nino, Amelie leaves all these clues for Nino. And he's supposed to meet at the cafe at four. And he's late. And she's like, there's two theories I have for him being late. One, he just didn't get the photo, so he didn't get the message. Or two, when he tried to assemble a photo, like bank robbers took him hostage, then there's a cop chase. And basically, you're just like, oh, haha. But it keeps going for like, keeps another, going. like 20 <laughs> seconds and gets like more and more ridiculous. And like, he ends up, you know, getting arrested and Russian warheads and Stuck Afghan in raiders yeah. and ends up getting hit by a truck and sur- but survives and ends up in the hill and becomes like a local. And like, why would she want to be with a guy that eats with goats or something like that? Like that was her elaborate just concussion of idea of what ha- might have happened to him. Right, right. Yeah, that was really funny. That was one of the bigger LOL moments, but also just like, what? Yeah. Like, but also somewhat relatable in the sense, like, I'm sure there's so many times when we've all let our imaginations run wild. You kind of are making an excuse for why things aren't working out in your favor. So it's like, oh, it must be some like really ridiculous out of control scenario. That is the only reason why this is not working out in my favor. So I get that. That mm-hmm. makes sense. But it was also really mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. Um. So... We've said a few times now how, you know, we don't really get to see Nino and Amelie interact with each other. But one of the questions I always ask is, do you think these characters stay together? I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it's a good question. <laughs> I want to say yes, because the, the movie, just everything ends up kind of working out for the most part. I guess the quote that I mentioned earlier about like them talking about finding Mr. Right and sleeping on the shoulder. So they're alluding to that, that they found the right match and that's Mm. why he's sleeping on the shoulder. Yeah. So I'm going to say, yes, that's going to be my thing. Um, There is a part of me that's like, Oh, is this just like part of her dreamlike view of the world? And maybe it doesn't work out, but my answer is still yes. What about you? (laughs) Okay. That's a good way of framing it. So, well, I want to acknowledge what you just said first about this dreamlike, because I think like Nino, even though this is Amelie's movie, it seems like Nino is very similar to Amelie, right? Like, yeah, they're both kind of introverts. They're both only children. They both kind of have these wild imaginations. They both have these very specific things that they like doing. So maybe there's compatibility in that. But yeah, in, in terms of like, are they going to stay together? Just like gut reaction is, I don't know. <laughs> Again, this is maybe where my jaded part comes out a little bit stronger is I know we're led to believe they're having happy moments together. I guess I'm not sold through the telling of the story that they'll like stay together. Hmm. But I think in the world of this dreamlike scenario, sure. Yes, I can see that they stay together. Yeah, I think they set up Nino as to be like a soulmate for Amelie. Like when they have the side by side of them as kids doing the same thing. And like he has these interesting quirks just as she does, even though that's not necessarily everything you need. But like the idea in the movie right. is, oh, these people are meant for each other. So that's why I guess I, I say yes. Justin, you're a bit of a hopeless romantic. I'm just interpreting the movie for face value. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you're giving this movie a 
quite high score. Mm -hmm. And so in your eyes, this movie is really beloved to you. Yeah. Tell me more. I, I mean, I think it's almost less about the romance or the story mm-hmm. and more about how they were able to tell the story, like the visuals, the color, like you've mentioned, mm-hmm. how they focus on these just like simple nuances and like details that just build this whole world and story up. Because you don't actually learn. There's like we said, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's not a lot of interaction of like chemistry in that sense, but they're still able to build this feeling of that through just these quick cuts between all these things happening. And I guess the so to speak, art of the movie and how the director was able to bring all that together is what makes this movie so memorable for me. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I just had this thought uh, as you were talking, which kind of made me think about this movie in a different way, actually, is that, and maybe this is a theme that I just totally missed also, is I think this movie does a really good job in pointing out the specifics, which I think you and I like really, really like about this movie, about people in general. And I think sometimes, or I, I know I do this, I guess, is that I forget people are people sometimes, you know, like humans they have a lot of complexities. When you think about ourselves, we're like, oh, you know, I have a lot of conflicting feelings and emotions and all these things. But sometimes when we look at a stranger, we forget that they have these complex feelings as well. So I think this movie portrays in a good way that everyone has kind of their own shit going on. Everyone is an individual in their own right. We all have our own weird quirks and likes and dislikes and how we maybe approach the world. Like, I'm actually just being reminded of, I think she's the tobaccoist, the one who's like a hypochondriac. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm just like really seeing her, but it just feels like this movie does a good job of painting people Mm -hmm. to be human. I I agree. I mean, I think if anything, that's like a theme of like humanity and being human. And what it means for that and how he, how the director shows that. Because it's very, really simple movie. Very like loose narrative, if you can even say there's much of a narrative there. But there's still a lot of very rich details that bring everything to life and bring all the characters to life. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess the richness is in the details in this movie. But yeah, I mean, this movie, I think it's quite beloved. I mean, it was really successful it's like one of the biggest French films to cross over to American audiences. But I kind of kind of was thinking, I was like, why did this movie do so well in the US? There's not a lot of foreign films that really make it into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was like a, a point in time, but I think it's, it's just the uniqueness and the whimsy of this story. Mm-hmm. And that's all I can come, come up with. Yeah, absolutely. I think if it weren't, in this kind of style with the camera work, the cinematography and just like Mm -hmm. the color and the way they've told it, I don't think it would have done as well in the U S if it was just like, let's say it was a traditional rom-com where it was just, you know, and there was a good story even, I feel like it wouldn't have played as well because it's so different. And because it is very visually engrossing, you kind of have to pay attention even though it's a foreign movie. Yeah, absolutely. I have some trivia. So this is actually the highest grossing French language film to be released in the U.S. According to a New York Times interview, the director said that people, or after this movie came out, that people were sharing stories of random acts of kindness after being inspired from this film, which is really sweet. There was a Broadway musical of Amelie. 
It opened and closed on Broadway in 2017. It had mixed reviews. This movie was not invited to play at Cannes, which is, you know, the big French film festival, which was a big deal at the time. Uh, Apparently, the festival director thought the movie was uninteresting, but it also wasn't finished. It didn't have the musical score with the movie. And English actress Emily Watson was supposed to play Amelie, which I don't know how that would have worked out. So I'm glad that they went with a French actress to play this French role. Yeah, that was the interesting to me trivia. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can wrap it up. Uh, Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to add before we close out? Yeah. So in... uh... I actually had this in my notes and I just saw, but in uh, photography, there's this idea. I'm a photographer. And for in photography, there's this idea that around you, there's at least 10 good photos around you at any given time. And so it's all the idea hmm. of perspective and noticing the details and noticing how to look at something. And I thought that really tied in well with how I kind of see this movie as well. It's just noticing the things and how Amelie views the world. Hmm there's small details around you all the time. Like you might be like, I'm just in my like bedroom. There's nothing to photograph here, but actually there is a lot of nuance. You just have to find it. And that's kind of how Amelie lives lives her life where she's finding these little quirks and these things that she likes about very mundane things. You know, you just got to look for the right angle or the right perspective. Whoa, Justin, that's heavy. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to think of it as a, Yeah, we got to look at things in different perspectives. But I think you might have a very uh, unique or specific take because you are a photographer. So like, you must look at things very differently than someone who's not a photographer. Uh, that, that may be true. But I think the general sentiment is like, hey, if, if you stop and listen and look and hear, you'll hear things that you didn't necessarily notice or you didn't see. You just got to do it regardless of who it is. Hmm. Yeah. And then also it's just maybe like we need to slow down a little bit and actually like observe what's actually happening. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't really have that insightful of a last take. So this might be the only foreign language rom-com that comes to my mind that was released in the 90s or after that really like made a splash with mainstream audiences. So this might be the only one that we cover here on the podcast. Uh, yeah, it just made me wonder why this movie did so well. And I know we talked about it already, but maybe I should uh, try to watch more foreign language rom-coms. Perhaps. Yeah. Let me know if you find any good ones. I'm actually just thinking like My Sassy Girl. Yeah. Do you remember that I, movie? I love that movie. I would I would do that movie <laughs> as a, as would a you? thing. Yeah. That is much more of a rom-com. Oh, yes. <laughs> Heavy on the yeah, rom yeah. and the com for sure. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, My Sassy Girl is a Korean film, which I feel like was a pretty big deal at a certain time. At a certain time, and they actually did make an American That's version. Right. They did. You could compare and contrast the two. I haven't seen the English <laughs> one because I think the Korean one is just so uh, special. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, off the top of my head, other than My Sassy Girl, think of another foreign language rom com that has stayed with me. Yeah, I'm sure there's many. Yeah. Maybe your listeners can suggest them. Yeah. If there are some, please hit me up. Let me know. But um, yeah, we can wrap it up. Thank you so much for doing this, Justin. Yeah, that's fun, as usual. Um, Can't wait to do another one with you in the near future. Yeah. Thank you. To all tuning in, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly. And please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please let us know what you think of this movie. What would you rate it on a scale from 1 to 10? And we'll chat with you again next week.
Bye.